I used to not want to see the way things are. I can't let you do this. You can't stop me. We have to see it. We have to fight it. Doing this will start us down a road where nothing matters. If we don't fight, we die. This is the Cliffy Clatch Crew Walking Dead episode review. I fully respect the hair gang. There's a vast ocean of shit you people don't know shit about. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew Walking Dead episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we are reviewing season six, episode five, Filler. Let's not even try this. <laughs> no, it should be called Now is Not Now because we don't care about this now. What? I really didn't mind uh, the last episode. Obviously, if you listen to our podcast, you know that we graded them really well on walkers. I gave a 9.5, I think, or a 9, and you gave a 9.5. Yeah, I didn't mind. I loved it. It was and my I, highest score ever. Yeah, and I really didn't mind them taking us away from the main storyline and giving us that background. But for them to continue on with, like, we're not going to tell you about the immediate things that are going on. We're going to create this new dialogue. Uh, I just... Uh, it, it rubbed me the wrong way, and I think it rubbed a lot of the viewers the wrong way. Yeah, that's what I'm reading out there from all of the commentary. And I think they had sort of established a flow here with this season where they would show us the main characters the way we see them, Rick, Daryl, Michonne, Carol. Then the next episode, they would move a little bit away from that. And I see Morgan as somewhat of a major character now. So to sidebar the primary plot lines is okay if they're giving us this interesting backstory on where Morgan came from that we've been clamoring for for a while now. This should have left us going back to our main characters this episode. We didn't do that. We didn't get a flashback. What we got was secondary characters that I don't know if they're trying to make us care about them by telling us about them a little more, but I don't. It didn't work for me. You know, I knew they weren't going to talk about Glenn. And when we spoke uh, last episode, that's what I said. And I said, if they do, it'll be like at the end of the episode really quick. We might not even see him. But I expected something else. I expected to see other storylines that filled that void. Yeah, let's talk about just bullet point, the ones that they did not go back to. Now, you're saying the first one is Glenn dead or alive. They kind of tried to reconcile that by showing you the people in Alexandria are wondering the same question. It's almost like throwing us a bone here with Maggie painting the names on the wall and then taking them off, but uh, not so great way to handle that. Then we had, how did Rick escape the Walker Horde? Yeah, let's talk about this. I don't want to breeze over this one. We were left with that episode with Rick in trouble. Mm -hmm. And how the hell is he going to get out of this? Why would they just skim over that and then show him running with a whole horde of zombies behind him? Well, that's the thing. Two episodes like that. Glenn, you leave off the very end of the episode not knowing what happens to him. We don't go back to that. Fine, you don't give us the answer, but then you do it again. You leave off with another main character, Rick, in trouble. Skim over it, don't get back to it. You just see him 
magically appear at the gates. Mm -hmm. Like he just managed to outrun them all and everything is cool and well and good and we don't have to talk about it. I mean, I don't know. I thought that would have been a, a good action sequence to see how he gets away. First of all, and my second complaint with that is Rick's smarter than that. You can outrun walkers, especially a horde of them that are probably going to be falling over each other. Wouldn't he do like into in the woods? Wouldn't he run in an angular fashion and elude most of them? Or hide out for a while? He's not going to make a beeline right back for Alexandria and, and have lead them all. all the walkers there. No. Then he proceeds to do a bunch of other dumb shit. Like, come inside and let's stay quiet and forget about them for a while. And hopefully they'll go away or the rest of our crew will come to round them up. This is not a solution. Oh, are you talking about Rick's very loud speech telling everyone they need to be quiet? To be quiet. And then he continues to yell at everybody all throughout the episode. He tells them not to go anywhere where the walkers can see them, but then goes up to the lookout tower and with just, Ron, yep. where they're in plain sight of all the walkers clearly attracting attention. And I'm thinking to myself, something is simple. If you don't want to fire a gun and you don't want to go out there to risk lives, take a bow and arrow, start shooting a whole bunch of them that are right up against the wall. And as the dead bodies pile, now you have another layer of wall, so to speak, protection against the walkers that are coming at you. Right? Do they have enough arrows, though? Well, they can go get him back like Daryl always does. They can start making more. They got trees inside Alexandria. Do whatever the fuck you have to do. Yeah, something. Right? Like to start taking some of them out, light them on fire, pitch some Molotov cocktails. Or I don't care how you get, get it Get a done. big stick, like a big, make a spear. We know someone who knows how to make a spear. Walk Even though we didn't wall, see him. Start just walk poking him. Yep. In the head. Anything. I mean, cause a distraction somehow lob something out far enough that they all go chase it. We've seen them do a million and one of these types of strategies. Mm -hmm. And it's like all of a sudden our main super intelligent characters that that was the whole point of being here at Alexandria, the plot line they were following. Our group had learned what it was like to be out there and how to survive. And now they're doing a whole bunch of dumb shit like this. We'll go into it in more detail later, but like Maggie mm -hmm. who's just going to go through this sewer system, which by the way, only stops right outside the gate. Yeah, that's doesn't go any far. It's a sewer system that magically just ends right there where the rest of the horde is. But she's prepared to just go out there in that kind of dumbass move without telling anybody. They're, they're not acting like the people that we normally see. And if that's the only glimpse we're going to get at our main characters this episode, I don't like it. Not just that, we got no answer to where are Daryl, Sasha, and Abraham that were supposed to be leading the main crew of walkers away. Right. I think next episode is going to be only the people outside of the walls right now. And we won't see an, any of Alexandria. Uh, fine. But it could have been this episode. Yeah. A a anything interesting could have been this episode. So mm. those are the other kind of significant characters that we did not get to see. Um, even within Alexandria, if you want to say we're just staying inside of the walls for this episode, yeah. you have Carol, Michonne, and Morgan. Main characters did not see hardly anything of. Just Michonne in the beginning as a voice, very yes. softly speaking on the road and then opening the gate. Well, and talking to Maggie in an uncharacteristic way of basically just like, uh, we don't really know what happened to Glenn. It doesn't look so good. I don't really think that's the way she would break it to her. Well, I would have liked to see, you know, how's Morgan doing right now? What's going on in his head? Right. He's got what's going on with 
the zombie that he's got locked down there. Exactly. That's an interesting storyline. Um, how about Carol? That's what I'm saying. She just went through some shit, man. She just had like her, I think, arguably one of her most heroic scenes. Some would argue maybe the scene with her at Terminus was just as or more heroic. But, yeah, but this regardless, is, this, this is, is like Carol moment. being B.A., man. And uh, nothing. Yeah, so Carol, Michonne, and Morgan, and then even She's if you... cooking cookies or something, I don't know. <laughs> even if you want to go to the next tier characters, right, that have given us some spark of interest this season. Where is Father Gabriel? Fuck him. He was hanging, <laughs> hanging right out there on the line of trying to come back over into normalcy. I wasn't buying it. Uh, whatever the case may be, we don't know where he is. Uh, where is Enid? That we saw her during the wolf attack prior to everything kind of falling apart, shit hitting the fan, she left, pieced it out of Alexandria. My theory was mm -hmm. because she was somehow a co-conspirator or a mole or, or whatever. Right. Um, we know that Carl is worried about her, but no, no word on what's happening with Enid. And then even with Deanna, they've been showing her also walking a fine line between really breaking down and losing it we got some scenes that we'll discuss with her, but I think that could have been a lot more compelling. Instead, the main focus was this whole Maggie storyline, which I just didn't, I didn't care. Yeah, now, okay, I'm glad they put a focus on Maggie because she is also sort of a main character. I've been saying she hasn't been getting a lot of screen time. She's been sort of secondary to Glenn and his dramas. Uh, however, again, they made her secondary to his dramas that she just has to go out and find out what happened to him. Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that we know she's pregnant. She revealed that. We were right though. <laughs> this episode to us. You've been saying that for a few episodes now though. Uh, like since episode one. Yeah. So more. Yeah. Yeah. But um, this was the big reveal. So clearly she knows and yet she's willing to put herself and her child's life in danger. Then she goes through the sewer system in this half-baked plan and suddenly she too is not Maggie anymore. She doesn't know how to fight a walker that's half decomposed. Oh, you're talking about when the walkers come out from the ground? Yeah. And she's just just standing there. Cool visual effects. I like the way they, they treated the walkers. But yeah, she didn't do anything. I don't know. She was... these. <sighs> yeah, no. It, the walkers themselves were amazing. Actually, I think this was the scariest I've ever seen the walkers to the point that they were... Um, Almost scorch trials yeah. status yep. growing up out of the muck and the uh, plant life and whatever it is that's in the sewer systems down there. Their hands were almost going through their decomposing bodies while they were pushing them away from them. Yeah. Um, but okay, so she's going into this clearly suspect tunnel and yet she seems completely taken unawares that there's walkers down there. It's like the most surprising thing in the world. Now, her and Aaron are also practically yelling as they're walking down there, not making any attempt to keep their noise level low. Um, she seems shocked to see them down there. And then she proceeds to just stand there while it attacks her and do nothing. I mean, she had her knife on her, right? Yeah, she did. Um, one interesting fact, and then we'll, we'll really get into 
going through our synopsis more orderly. We're kind of all over the place. We're a little bit upset here, if you can't tell with this episode. (laughs) Uh, But since we're talking about it, Talking Dead revealed that those two walkers that Maggie and Aaron saw in the sewers were actually Alexandrians. That were outcasted. Yeah, they were exiled trying to return. And they, yeah, and they were trying to sneak through the... Now, did you know that? Were we supposed to know that watching no. the episode? Nope. I thought that was a fun little aside piece. And also, another fun fact, the episode was originally named The Locket. Do we have a reasoning for that? I don't remember seeing a locket at all. No, I don't remember that either. That I don't even know what now stands for. Okay, I, I found that out because I wasn't sure either. It apparently relates to the speech that Jesse gave everybody. This is the world we live in now when she is... Oh, when she's being very Ricketarian? Yes. I didn't mind that speech. That was a good... good so yeah, part. that's what that's about. Uh, just backing it up for a minute so we can start at the top. Apparently, the rest of the viewers agreed with us. There were... 12.44 million viewers down 1 million from last week where we had 13 something million. Huh. And we'll talk a little more when I go over the ratings. They had a little bit of a drop as well. People did not respond well to this episode. It was written by Corey Reed and directed by Avi Uabian. Uabian? You'll be crazy. I have no idea. I apologize. Um, for new actors, new people to make their way into this episode, we saw Pantry People. I could not tell Peepies? you what their names are, but the couple of Alexandrian residents. Yeah, that are just like, hey, you know, all of our friends are dead. Let's just forget everything and just steal food now from ourselves. Yeah. We're going to die anyways. Let's I, die full. I have some, some qualms with that as well, but we'll talk about that when we get there. I believe they were our only new characters here in this episode. Our deaths were only two, and they were kind of, uh, they didn't really die here. So you have Betsy. She's the woman that committed suicide, and she returns as a zombie here, and this is the one Jesse ends up stabbing. Right. She's the wife of the, the guy who had a love note. That was never able to get to her. Right, correct. And then you have an unnamed wolf that Carol had stabbed, but apparently not killed during the wolf raid. And hid under the house, right? Right. She crawled under the house. Um, We didn't see her die, but she makes an appearance again in this episode, and that's the one Deanna freaks out on. Which we'll talk about in a second, too. Absolutely. So let's start at the top. We talked a little bit about the Alexandrians are cleaning up the damage. This is when Rick arrives and gives them this speech about staying strong and the walkers can't break through the walls. And Yeah, apparently he's been filled in on everything because he, he mentions Glenn. He mentions the people who died. Right. He just got through the gates, but he, he knows everything. He, he must have like a leaderboard up somewhere. That yeah. He can and just how come <laughs> his, his crew isn't with him? Where are they again? <laughs> this is the crowd. We did see Morgan for a second. Yes. Just in the background. And Michonne for a second. But right. He doesn't really come up to them and have a meeting or anything the way you would expect him to. This is what happened with me. What's been going on here? Because remember, he doesn't really know shit about what's been going down in Alexandria. Right. But apparently he does now. Um, and, okay, so he fully believes that these walls are going to stay firm for now. However, the walkers continue to come. So how long before the pressure that's being put on the walls 
doesn't hold up. So if they're not going to enact our plan to start killing some of them outside, couldn't they at least be fortifying the walls from the inside? We know they have a plentiful amount of materials. They have houses, they have trees that they could take things down from to at least reinforce. Yeah, I agree. Um, Being proactive, something proactive. And he's just counting on Daryl and all of them to come and uh, be able to... Like they're going to notice them and turn around and, and get them all to follow them again. And Right. And if you're relying on that, couldn't he maybe send them a signal? Some kind of smoke didn't he have signal a like Glenn I guess he was. let go of the walkie. Yeah, he didn't, didn't look like he had one when he came back. But couldn't he send up some kind of smoke signal? Apparently this is how they've been saying they're going to let each other know that, you know, they, they were talking about Glenn. So Glenn would have sent us a signal if he was alive. So right. couldn't he send his crew a signal? Like, come help ASAP. Anyhow, then we went over to the Aaron and Maggie story, which what we failed to say here was that Aaron first admitted to everybody that he was the one who inadvertently led the wolves to Alexandria. I like that scene. I like that part. I like Aaron. Yeah. As a character. More and more uh, every episode. He's starting to feel like a part of our group now. And having him interact with our main people like Maggie just reinforces that idea. I was afraid that people might turn on him or react negatively to this admission, but everybody is kind of okay with it. You know, they know that it's not really his fault. He didn't mean to do that. And it just goes to show, like he says, that they don't really know what they're doing. They haven't really known how to handle this type of situation. Look at the mess he got them into. They need Rick's group. Just kind of furthering that point, I think. So we have Maggie and Aaron traipsing through these sewers. They realize that they can't bypass the walkers and decide to turn back. This is when she reveals to Aaron that she's pregnant. Um, so while I do think the whole scene felt a little un-Maggie-ish and that her plan was foolish, the important part here, I think, is it's imperative now that Maggie be able to be someplace safe. I think right. the stakes are raised for Alexandria or finding, you know, we saw how important it was when Lori was pregnant with Judith and that's why we had the whole prison settle down thing so she could have a place to be pregnant and give birth. Right. Um, so I bet you her mind is not going there because she's the type of woman who she's tough and she can handle anything and uh, but she can't realistically be out on the road for very no. much longer. Yeah. And that, I think that was supposed to be the big reveal this episode. That was supposed to be the shining moment. But did they think that people didn't know that? Well, they obviously don't know that we have millions of listeners and we told everybody. <laughs> well, the other podcasts have been saying it for a while, too. I think the foreshadowing was pretty heavy. So this is when we go over to that raid on the pantry. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. And uh, another podcast brought this up, but I was actually thinking about it while I was watching the show. <laughs> Before this episode, there was no issue with food. No. I mean, they had plentiful amounts of food in the community. Now, all of a sudden, they're trapped inside of there for one day, and we have to worry about food? Uh, it wasn't a matter of them going low on food, but they had an established, like, everyone is always a little hungry. They're never, like, eating in abundance. And their, what their argument was is that we're going to die anyways, and I don't want myself and my kids... To die hungry. Well, what they were saying is, I don't want to watch my children starving. Yeah, while they're dying. Like, 
as though they were going to be seriously hindered for the couple of days that they might be stuck in here. I mean, it really got melodramatic quickly when this is a problem we've never seen before. So I find it a little bit clunky to not establish some kind of major problem. And then all of a sudden when the shit hits the fan, there's another incredible pressure that's put on them that I don't think was ever there. I still don't think it's there. They had plenty of food in there. And they yeah, have less well, people. The people were obviously turning into that mob mentality and making it worse than it was. But there's a lot of things that we could have these breakdowns over. Again, it felt like Walking Dead just putting, like making up problems mm-hmm. and making up people and trying to sell you on these things that are important while there are real important things happening Absolutely in happening. the world of Walking Dead. And we're not talking about them. They're saving them for the second half of this series so you know if you're gonna have a filler episode do it right don't do this shit this is like I, uh, okay let me not get started <laughs> anyway this is when spencer sticks up for the community basically and says that if you do this this is going to mark the beginning of the end you're going to look up back on it later as the point where we lost our humanity our civilization crumbled right you really start thinking okay here's this character who really hasn't been a standout up until now and we're going to establish him as somebody that is trying to take control because i'm sitting there going deanna is watching all of this just like she's been watching other things unfold and she's not saying a word mm-hmm. she clearly is unable to be the leader now to do anything effective and now her son steps up and takes that role and, and i was feeling really happy about that yeah and they listened to him, and they left. It was a good moment for him. And they immediately follow that up <laughs> with him at home, getting drunk, eating all of this stolen food that he took from the pantry. Yeah, I didn't notice till the end of that scene that he also stole food. I thought he just stole a couple bottles of alcohol. It was all in the yeah. basket on the kitchen yeah, counter. Yeah, what was his reasoning? Well, I figured I'd saved, I saved everyone else from stealing it, so... What I deserved one, it. Yeah, and one person stealing doesn't... They won't like, know, so it's not going to affect the morale, basically. It was weird, and it was very awkward. I think they just used, they set that scene up to get Deanna out of her grief-fueled weirdness. That was like the boot. But it didn't really, because then they get into this argument. Well, a one-sided argument. Spencer is now blaming Deanna's idealism for getting Aiden and Reg killed, her husband and her other son, mm-hmm. and saying, you had this rose-colored glasses view of how Alexandria was going to be, and it's your fault that they died. Do you think that's extreme, or do you think there's any truth to that? I think it's extreme, but there is some truth to it. But her vision helped them stay this safe for this long. It's been a long time, and they haven't experienced anything. But it made them soft, and she needed someone else, which she wanted from Rick. That's Mm -hmm. why when she brought him in, she had said that. Uh, made him sheriff. She knew that she was missing that second half, which was the the military-esque, you know, stay on guard and we have to be able to fight if something comes to us. Yeah. yeah so she did know, but she is still not able to cope with what has happened and no. to step up. And, you know, I thought we were going to see a turnaround for her. And she goes off into her room and starts making a sketch of a new, overly idealized Alexandria. I mean, is this the thing to do now? Uh, I think it's her way of getting out of 
her grief-filled weirdness, um, it's saying it seems stupid to us, but that's what she knows how to do, and that's what makes her confident. So I think it was symbolism of like she's ready to get back in and start not just only watch, but also start helping. Right, and that I totally agree with. But she's doing it in a way that's regressing back to her old. Yeah, oh, let me picture this um, beautiful world that can't really ever be, and I still am not coming to terms with reality. I'm just going to go right back to the whole blueprint of how do I build the bubble world. Right, and then she wrote in Latin, "The lore hic tibi proderit olum." Yes. Yeah, so what does that? I'm mean? saying it wrong, but it's an Ovid quote. It mm-hmm. means someday this pain will be useful to you. The full quote would, is, uh, be patient and tough. Someday this pain will be useful, you. Mm. useful to you. Okay. So that kind of, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go back to her in a minute. But at this point in time, we switch over to Carl. <laughs> approaching Ron for help in finding Enid, but Ron refuses and threatens to inform Rick if Carl leaves Alexandria. This was an awkward, stupid scene. Pointless. Pointless. What, what, what is the point of what's going on with Carl right now? Carl has been a non-entity in this entire episode so far. Season. Uh, season. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, yeah, season. Uh, well, the awkward fight, that was horrible. They could have at least made it look better. It was like a, a girly slap, slap push yeah. fight. And, uh, and basically Ron is like, you stole my girlfriend. And did anyone else notice that Ron grew like three years since last season? Yeah. <laughs> like he's like a completely... Well, they are at that age, though. Carl is growing like a weed also. I guess you're right. I think they're trying to establish that Ron is going to be an issue. And this is the way they do it. Well, big time. Because then when he later approaches Rick to tell him, like, listen, these were Carl's plans. It's not going to happen, I don't think. Just want to let you know. Sounds like he's being nice, but he's got something else planned. Well, we're thinking at the very least, he's kind of a tattletale because Carl didn't do anything and he's still going to tell his father. But at the very worst, it's super suspect. And what in the hell is the matter with Rick that the way this kid's been acting towards him since he killed his dad, in about two seconds, he's going to buy into the kid has had a turnaround and now sees him as a substitute father and he's going to put a gun in his hand loaded or not and just start to trust him in the midst of a major crisis i mean maybe he's just going to shoot he's going to learn how to shoot and then uh, shoot carl with it i mean either way rick should be smarter than this yeah to understand that this this could potentially be trouble then we move over to tara who comes in to check on denise uh, she's been losing her confidence in her ability as a doctor. Tara advises Denise that being afraid sucks, and Denise manages to find a way to save Scott from his infected bullet wound. Now, I know nothing about nothing, Jason. What did she do here? Huh? She stuck took, a needle into blood? the wound to take out pus, pus right? yeah. The infection? And, and he, he's immediately um, healed? I don't know. Maybe there was pressure. I mean, she's, she's pressure. She's been studying for a while now. I mean, not necessarily to be a doctor, but she has knowledge. And now she's been locked in this room for days, reading all these medical textbooks, apparently trying all these different avenues. She didn't think to try removing infection from an infected wound prior to this. Oops. Oops. Uh, it's another awkward moment. And and I that probably would help, but I don't think it's like a magic 
oh, I removed it and now his vitals are stabilized and, and he's, he's better. And yeah, uh, it's oh, extreme. Oh my goodness. And then, you know, this is sort of a weird way to leave the conversation, but immediately we go back to that and Tara kisses her. Yeah. Yeah. I like what she said though. Like being afraid. I forget the quote. Being afraid sucks. Yeah. So, and then there was something else. And basically you're like, oh, she's saying that uh, you're in the closet. Come out. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. That it's not just afraid of this world and the walkers. It's being afraid of something else. And she knows what that is. Um, So that was cool. And then they have their little romance, which I guess was kind of cool. And people seem to really be all in on this and very excited. Uh, My issue is that I've never connected to Tara as a character. Mm, yeah. And the only connection we've had to her thus far has been Eugene. So I never saw them being a couple. I know that Eugene maybe kind of had a thing for her. Where the fuck is Eugene? Yeah, again. We haven't seen him in forever. Just characters that they introduced that they were slowly trying to build these people as being more main characters. And now they've dropped off for another set of characters. Like we don't have enough to connect to any of these people. They mm-hmm. just keep introducing and forgetting about them. <sighs> So that was her tie to Eugene. And now we've completely switched over to this new girl that we know nothing about. Yeah. And now the tie is going to be that Tara likes this new girl. So I'm just having trouble getting on board with, oh, yay, a romance when I'm not connected to either of the characters that are having the romance. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they felt like it'd be a brownie points to have a lesbian couple. And if that's all it is, boo to you, Walking Dead. There's gotta, you don't put it in to just it to have your quota. They better make a reason for it. Uh, next episode, there's going to be a trans woman. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, so let's go over to one of the brighter points. Jesse goes to check in on a neighbor, only to discover, you know, this is the woman that's committed suicide and turned into a walker. Did she purposely save that woman you know, zombified and not kill her right away so that the crowd outside would see her kill him, killing her. What are you talking about? What? So, so it looked like Jesse was kind of um, taking her time about killing this woman inside of the house. Oh. And I was worried she wasn't going to go through with it. <sighs> Did she purposely wait until the people outside could see her do that? No, I think it's th- this thing that we're starting to see more and more often with Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, there's this, like, they make you wait. How many times this season have they made us wait Mm -hmm. while they stare at this walker and think stuff before they kill him? Right, which I hate normally. It's like, what are you doing? Kill the walker. But here, I kind of thought, okay, maybe there could be a reason. She's waiting so these people see it because they still haven't gotten it. It still hasn't sunk in for them yet. I want to say yes because it sounds better. Right. So she's going to show them, this is what we have to do. This is how we have to be now. And then she even follows it up with that speech about this is how the world is now. And um, it looks like maybe it made a point to some of them. I think it did. I think it even uh, made a point to to us to show us that uh, she's no longer grieving and she's more like Rick now. Yeah, she's ready to which go. Which makes that kiss in the end, I know I'm jumping, but which tries to make that kiss in the end uh, more believable. Right. And not so much of a, 
Rick was completely on board with this. She was completely off because he killed her husband. She was going to do this on her own. And in one episode, without seeing anything to turn her around, she's now over it and loves Rick. Right. Because we need more romance out of nowhere in the zombie apocalypse. Okay. How about Deanna and her younger son, who wants his cookies brought room service? I didn't understand that whole point. He won't come downstairs because this is where he's seen too many bad things happen. The people that broke the wolves broke in. Um, the mom had to kill somebody. Somebody turned into a zombie. Just he can't deal with any of this. And right. in his mind, he's locating that to physicality, geography of the house. It all happened downstairs. So if I stay upstairs, I'm safe. Well, at his age, that makes sense. Right. A whole scene to have it. I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah, we didn't really get anywhere with it, right? She ended up coming up and just leaving the cookies for him in the end. I think they just wanted to bring cookies back into the storyline. Which I thought was going to be our segue to bring Carol back into it. Mm -hmm. Because she had a connection with the kids. She was going to give them the special cookie recipe and all this stuff. And then we didn't go anywhere with that. So Cookies. um, Not sure. So that night, Deanna is walking on the street. And this is where she's attacked by the walker. And in a rage, she attacks it with a broken bottle, just in time for Rick to show up and see what's going on. Is she the only person that doesn't know that you have to get him in the head? Well, now I'm wondering, have Rick and his group even explained the basics to them? Because we know that they've been sheltered and they haven't had to do a lot of killing of walkers. And this was part of the whole thing that was supposed to be happening here, was that they train these people up, teach them what it's like to be. Have we not even gotten to that point where we did Walker 101 with them? You got to kill them in the head? I thought they did because when they started showing flashbacks of Rick showing the crew when they're building the walls, Mm -hmm. like let them kill them. That makes me believe that he has spoken to them about how to kill a zombie. You would think so, right? And you could say that she just had to get her emotions out. She wasn't thinking. She just wanted to stab him repeatedly. But you got to at least uh, kill him first, right? And then if you have to, like, have some kind of catharsis where you just chop him to pieces... I don't know. Deanna's not, she's still not getting it. So she's taking the rage out, but you still don't feel like she's gotten it yet. Right. And made the switch. And I think that's the point there. And that's when they have their little talk. Deanna tells Rick she wants Alexandria to survive. And is she foolish for being an idealist? And he says no. Do you agree? I think this was a good time for Rick to have a heart to heart with her. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to talk to her. Yeah. She's on the edge and everybody knows it and they're just kind of leaving her, floating around like a ticking time bomb. And now Rick finally sees her go off. He has no other purpose inside here now. If they're not killing walkers, they're not shoring up walls, they're not sending alarms to their friends. Um, instead of actually trying to confront some of these issues like Deanna, he just decides he's going to go over to Jesse's house so they can make out. I mean, I think he really maybe should have taken a little bit of time here with Deanna. When they start like all out dating, if you want to call it that, that son, Ron, is going to get more peeved and he's going to go off the hinges. It's bad news bears. Rick better watch And I want to see Carl have to fuck Ron up. I hope so. That'd be awesome. So that Carl can finally step into this role that we've been waiting for. Yeah. Uh, BTW, when is the last time we've seen Judith? I mean, there's no daycare in Alexandria, correct? Who in the hell is watching after Judith? I was thinking that too. 
what can you do with a baby? You and, know? And, but she needs to be growing. We haven't even, she's still like a baby, mm-hmm. baby, baby. Like, is, does she not grow? What is the deal here? And if she's growing, she needs to be watched increasingly. The older she's going to get, the more she has to be taken care of. Now, we've seen Carl a little bit kind of looking over her at times here, but clearly he's not with her all the time. Right. He didn't have her with him when he had this uh, encounter with Ron. I think that's where all the other main characters are with the baby. <laughs> well, and, and then, okay, yeah, it's like Rick again. So he doesn't have a lot of purpose here right now. Do we ever see Rick with his freaking child? You have a kid. Yeah, but do we do we want to see him with the child? Yes. I, yeah? I don't care enough to have him in a baby in his arms. Well, what was the whole point of them going through all of this and establishing everything they did at the prison and Lori dying and they're fighting for something that's good. They worked so hard to have this baby survive in the world and he hasn't spent five minutes with the baby since the baby was born. He's... It's just a little bit weird. He's working. He's clear. A man has to work. Okay. You better work on that wall. And the baby is immune if she's bit, she won't turn into a zombie. Well, that's what I really want to find out about. I bet. Seriously, because... But it's very... it's very. Uh, there's got to be a shift in something at some point in time. And I think that's every story like this. Is there something different about the next generation? But how would they find out? The baby would have to actually get bit. Well, no, because I've been asking for a let's go back to a bigger storyline like we did when we went to the CDC and we met Jenner and we got explained about how this all happens. Mm-hmm. Um, can we have some other kind? Co- he cannot have been the only person that had any knowledge of anything to survive the apocalypse. He couldn't have been. So let's wrap this up because this is just turning into a depressing review. Depressing. The last thing we see is that despite losing faith, Maggie refuses to believe that Glenn is officially dead and she goes and she wipes the name off the board. Aaron suggests naming the baby after him, which, are we supposed to understand that? It's a little <laughs> bit weird. Like, oh, Aaron can go both ways. Uh, Boy or they girl. also wiped another name off the board. What was he? Nicholas. And wow, are they going to feel stupid about that when yeah. they find out that he died? And um, so Deanna goes and bangs on the wall why did she do that i don't know make more noise was there a point to that did this have something to do with this journey that she's on it's another emotional arc that they're showing us she's angry now she went you know she went through the uh scared and denial and not wanting to do anything to now she's like being defiant almost yeah so I think the big point of that too was to draw to our attention that there's blood seeping in. And oh is yeah, that meant to show us that? that there's cracks forming in the walls. Like if if something can get through, that means the walls are starting to break down the tiniest little bit. Ooh, that's other, that's all I can think of. But why so much blood? Zombies don't have blood. All the walkers are pushing up against it. Yeah, but these are walkers that have been around for how many? How long now? They're all like. There's no blood anymore. Well, we it's still all see, like decrepit. We still yeah. see some of that coming at them when they get ripped apart. Pouring out. <laughs> I guess if there's enough of them really piling up against that gate, yeah. which this is why I'm saying they should have at least done something about that first row of walkers mm-hmm. to build up the defense a little bit. I don't know. This is not smart on our 
our, our friend's part here. Before we go over to our rating, any other thoughts about this episode in general? Yeah, listen, I know we've bashed this episode, and this probably isn't one of our strongest episodes because there's no thick plot lines to speak about. But um, I guess the underlining part of this episode that I actually took out of it that I think is good is the juxtaposition between the Alexandrians and the way they used to look at Rick as kind of like this animal. Mm -hmm. And now that they've finally gotten a taste of it, they're dealing with their own different types of head demons, Mm -hmm. all in their different ways. Some are cracking, some are getting tougher. Mm -hmm. But now they're no longer looking at Rick as this monster. They're looking to him as a leader with more understanding. And I think that was the main important part of this episode. And that definitely needed to happen. We were tired of people getting so down on Rick when he's just doing what needs to be done to keep them alive and safe. Uh, I'm really happy that we've had some of that turnaround. I just think there definitely were more effective ways to deal with that. And if you are going to try to draw the sharp contrast between the Alexandrians that don't know how to take care of themselves and our main group of characters that, you know... They are hardened, but the good thing that comes with them is the wisdom, the hard-earned knowledge that they have Mm -hmm. about how to protect themselves and stay safe, and yet we saw them making very, very stupid mistakes in this episode. So if that's the contrast we're making, I would have liked to see them in a very can-do role. I don't like how that was being portrayed. Or how about will-do, as as in do something about these walkers? Right. (laughs) So that we could see, you know, that, okay, here's people that are handling it right. In this episode, they 100% were not handling it right. And half of them weren't even there because they could possibly be out there dead. So, uh, you know, I don't like that we have this happening on the Alexandrian side, as Mm -hmm. you're saying, but not on our side. Yeah. Makes me question a little bit what's happening to our group. Agreed. Now, in the hopes of not making this podcast episode... This, this dark bash of Walking Dead. <laughs> I, I have something pretty interesting that I found. Okay. It's called the Zombie Apocalypse Index. And it's uh, funny, funny enough, it's created by CareerBuilder.com. Huh. They did this test and they ranked the 53 largest U.S. metropolitan areas in four key categories based on population and found out what would be the safest place to be in or safest city city to be in uh, when the shit goes down. Cool. So like, I guess, think about fear the walking dead times as soon as it happens, who would be more apt to survive? Okay. They graded it on defense, containment, cure, and food production. So they did a test on all these states in regards to, because they have career builder, they have all this. (laughs) This is amazing. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So defense, you're saying against the walkers. The ability to contain the virus or whatever this is and start rebuilding. The ability to produce enough food so that they can outlast the epidemic and actually get through it. And finally, to discover and distribute a cure uh, worldwide, I suppose. Right. So those are the main. And uh, if you guys want to see this, you can go to careerbuilder.com and look into Zombie Survival Index. Or you can go to coffeeclatscrew.com and we'll have the link on there under this episode. Awesome. So I'm not going to go through the whole thing because that would be pretty boring, but uh, I'll tell you the number one most survival, survivable locale mm-hmm. in the United States is Boston, Massachusetts. Really? There's a sufficient amount of armed first responders, access to food, scientists, 
and all the things needed to defend against, respond to, survive, and ultimately cure an outbreak. So they have <laughs> the, the best, and uh, the least is New York City. Oh, that's lovely because that's the city we're closest to. Yeah. But you had to figure New York wasn't going to fare so well. So what they do is they give this cool list of, they break it down again into defense and all that. And they say the top cities for defense, then the top cities for containment. So top cities for defense is Virginia Beach, mm-hmm. Atlanta, Baltimore, Washington, D.C., and then Kansas City. Containment, Denver, Houston, Salt Lake City, Seattle, Tacoma, Detroit. Mm-hmm. Cure, Boston, San Fran, San Diego, Indianapolis, and Baltimore. And then food, Grand Rapids, Columbus, Ohio, Rochester, New York, Memphis, Tennessee, Buffalo, New York. And then they also okay, have... Okay, so New York State got a couple of them there and mainly off of food. Right. So we got to just get north if this shit goes down. <laughs> exactly. At least we'll eat well, right? They also have in here a link to check out a full map that they created. And then you can roll over these cities and then uh, it'll tell you exactly what, like Indianapolis, it gives you a total score, which is Mm 33.91, final rank 10th overall. Containment rank 22nd, cure rank 4th, defense rank 26th, food rank 17th. So it's a pretty cool map. Again, careerbuilder.com. You can go to coffeeclatchcrew.com. Under this episode, we'll have the link. So that was cool. Um, Let's talk about our ratings. I know we've bashed it this whole time. First, let's see what other people said. The critics gave it 46% and Rotten Tomatoes 5.8 out of 10. Apparently, we're not alone. Most people did not appreciate it. I'll give you both sides of the consensus. One side says it provides deeper portrayals of some of the Alexandrian crew, but at the expense of furthering the stories of the characters we actually care about. Brian Moylan of The Guardian says, This episode fails to explain how Rick escaped from his stalled camper van in Thank You. Exactly. It is a spare, quiet episode fraught with moments of uncertainty and tension. So he doesn't like that we didn't see Rick, but he did give some upsides. And finally, Alex of The Independent says, It is something of an oddity, an episode that initially suggests another adrenaline-heavy hour of intense action, but never really delivers on the promise. All right, so my grade out of 10 walkers, I'm going to go with five walkers. You stole my rating, Jason. Same thing for you. You know, it's weird. This season, up until now, I've been saying this is probably one of the best seasons of Walking Dead yet because it didn't have what you normally get with Walking Dead, which was, you know, a sprinkling of episodes where you're like, ugh, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Because we normally, we got used to getting that. Well, here's the thing. Maybe they packed all the boring into one episode. Well, that would be, that'd be nice. And everything before and after will just be amazing. Can <laughs> we hope for that? I doubt it. We have, uh, what do we have, three or two episodes left till mid-season break? Yes, I believe we have three. The next episode is entitled Always Accountable. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say we're not going to find out about Glenn until the last episode of midseason. I won't be as upset with that if we do get some information on those other main plot points we're talking about with the main characters. But if we don't get that and we don't get the Glenn thing, I'm going to be really frustrated going into the um, midseason break. Oh, real quick. Do you think Carl's going to leave? Or do you think that fight and that talk... I think it, him I think it straightened him out a little bit, 
I think it depends on what happens in the next couple of scenes with him. I think what they should do is just throw the baby over the wall. Stop <laughs> it, poor Judith. Um, anybody else that we missed? Listeners out there, if we forgot to touch upon anything critical or any other characters that we're forgetting about here, please write in and let us know. If you have some positive thoughts about this episode, I'm sure we could use some. I hope we don't sound like we're just talking a bunch of negativity and ranking on it. We try not to do that normally. but I meant to give some criticism from the point of view of each separate character and plotline and hopefully look to some questions that can be answered in the future to make it a better experience for Walking Dead fans. Again, you can email us at contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com and we ask you to tell your friends about us. Get more people listening. Let's make our army bigger. Rate and review us and subscribe if you're liking what you hear. Hopefully we'll have a more upbeat episode for you next week. And don't forget our Amazon banner. You know the deal. Until next time, this round's on me. This round is on me. (laughs) 